Good morning. This is Chris Gersbeck from Dumb Industries, home of the Marriage Appeal Show, Jackie Neiman Jones Online Art Classes, and of course, the Mads are back, featuring the Mads from MST3K, inviting you to the Dumb Industries Oscars watch party this Sunday, March 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern live on discord that's right the dumb industries discord you can join at discord.dumb-industries.com or just search for dumb industries on discord it's a public server and we'll be uh watching the entire oscars broadcast starting at 7 p.m eastern it'll be me emmy martian and associate producer matt riser and we'll be giving away prizes tickets merch please join us this sunday Starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Discord. Scrolling for March 7th, 2023. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Oscar Goldstein. We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. If you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. Oscar, I, I tell you, this pl- you're a slob. This place is, you need to clean this place up, Oscar. I think we need to bring in a $6 million man. I think that would help. I think that we've got some mixed metaphors going on at this point. So it's time for our Oscar conversation. Time to bring in our movie expert. Kyle Hickman is here to explain to me, especially, what's been happening in the movies. He's an avid movie fan who loves to attend his local theater. He writes about a number of topics on his blog, kyleahickman.blogspot.com. He's got his best films of 2022. That's going to be coming out soon. Check it out when you get a chance. He is a programmer for the Indie Film Festival. You can follow him on Twitter, Kyle underscore A underscore Hickman, and go to his podcast, Munson's at the Movies, where they explore the lives and careers of randomly selected actors. We've got all those links in our show notes. Good morning, Kyle. I just I want to take a, uh, a moment of silence for Dane Michael not being here. Our Oscarologist. We are missing the fourth leg of our Oscar show, our our annual conversation about the Oscars and about movies. Dane Michael is not here right now. He's busy, you know, living his life. I heard he was going on a four-day retreat in a dark room. He was going to follow Aaron Rodgers. That's right. He heard Aaron was getting clarity of mind and making big life decisions. So he said, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. Screw too much scrolling. I'm going into the darkness. So tell me about this indie film festival, by the way. That's in Indianapolis, right? Yes, sir. What what a awesome name. All right. We make it real simple and easy over there. But there's we like to say there's two games in town. There's the Heartland Film Festival, which is the big film festival, and then there's the Indie Film Festival, which has been around for about 20 years. Our festival happens in late April, so it's come up pretty quickly. So it's been on the documentary screening crew. We've been very, very busy trying to figure out documentaries we want to show. So I've been seeing a lot of documentaries, gentlemen. Lots and lots of documentaries this year. And um, lots and lots of movies, too, right? You are our expert that goes to the movies. Do you have a number of how many movies you saw in 2022? New releases in 2022, I saw, including many documentaries for the film fest, about 196. And then add in probably i don't know 100 150 for the podcast at least so it was it was a it was a busy year 
Wow. They would say it's a banner year, but it's just it's just a lot. <laughs> I probably saw around 350 movies last year, I would guess, with the podcast, the film festival, and just watching new releases. That is super close to one a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Wow. Having watched this many films, can do you think you could write a script? A bad one. I mean, you, you, you're you almost <laughs> at the level of Quentin Tarantino oh, as far right. as being such an avid cinephile. I mean, you're, you're at that point where you're like, I could make this better. If I had any original ideas, I probably could. But I'm devoid of those at this moment in time, unfortunately. So is Hollywood, so that's okay. <laughs> How about a wounded hockey player who, who starts a podcast about movies? Yeah, that's exactly what the world wants to see. A white guy <laughs> writing a movie about creating a podcast. That's that's what it. What the world needs is three white guys talking about something through a podcast. <laughs> you know, Burt Bacharach wrote a song about that once upon a time. What the world needs now is more white men podcasting and telling the world about it. At least I'm the only one with facial hair at this point. <laughs> yeah, I wiped that out. It's usually go. it's usually three bearded men on a podcast. That's right. That's right. And then usually you say some really misogynistic things, which I don't think that's our brand. So I think we're good. All right. I think so we let- could, I think we could go on. We can continue this where as he does the podcast, he doesn't shave, so it becomes like the playoff beard. So while go. he's while he's writing and performing, there you go. There's your script. Get on it, Kyle. <laughs> so we're here to discuss the Oscars that are coming up on Sunday, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. The Oscars, the 95th annual Academy Awards, some of the, the best that Hollywood has to give us in the movie arena this year. Isn't this considered the most important day of the year? I mean, at some point in the past. There are certainly people that gather together to view the Academy Awards, just like people gather together to watch the Super Bowl or any of the other big live events. TV, what is TV for at this point? Is there a, a gathering, a live event? And and I think that those are the only two. It, it, do people even gather to watch baseball live or basketball live? Is that even a thing? Absolutely. We're getting ready to start tournament season this week. Yeah, I guess March Madness. And um, the conference tournaments are this week. And the following week, we have the NCAA starting, which will be incredibly large. It's probably maybe the best sporting event, not not single day, but season. I think the NCAA tournament is just incredible. It's also very regional. Versus I think what Steve you're trying to get at is there's very few international everybody views opportunities. Like I, I'm sure the Grammys and the Emmys have their their version of that, but I feel like the Oscars and the Super Bowl are two of the more international viewing opportunities for people. And I suppose we put the World Cup into that category yeah. as well. That's that is a long tournament as opposed to a single day. Yeah. I don't know if I'd count like the World Cup Olympics, any of those things, just because duh everybody's watching that because all their countries are represented so the oscars coming up this week we've got 10 movies nominated for best picture this year our favorite question every year kyle how many of these 10 best picture nominees have you seen weirdly this year i've only seen nine (gasps) normally i say every one of them but this year i haven't seen one shocking a shocking development i know it is 
Chip, how many of these 10 films have you seen? Holy cow. I've seen eight. Oh, Chip almost got me. Almost. In, in fact, if I was, you know, someone preparing for this, I could have watched another one last night. I could, we, I could have finished this up. Could've. But of course I didn't. And everyone's favorite question, how many of the Best Picture nominees has Steve seen in 2022? The answer is three this oh. year. That oh my goodness. Is, this is a that's a better year, Steve. Steve. Can we guess? Quite Best possibly a record for this show that I've actually seen three of these films. Yeah, Kyle, do, would you like to uh, hazard a guess as to the three films that I've seen? I, I know you've seen Banshees because we talked about it. I feel like you've seen Avatar. And then you haven't seen Avatar. I have not okay. seen Avatar. I have not seen the feels... first Avatar, much less the sequel Avatar. Okay, so taking that off the table, then I think you've probably seen Elvis and Top Gun. I would not. No, I would not put Top Gun on any of my lists. Damn. I did see Elvis. I absolutely went to the theater to see Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. I enjoy Baz Luhrmann's filmmaking and his style, and I love the the mythology of Elvis. I love going to Graceland and being a part of that feeling of that person who was Elvis. My third one on the list is Everything, Everywhere, All oh, at Once. That you. is definitely the style of film that I enjoy, that that wacky sci-fi fantasy sort of storytelling. Yep. Three points okay. for Gryffindor. That's right. Still <laughs> so, going to get outshadowed by Slytherin, though, but good. It's, you're, you're cruising over there. So what is the one on the 10 list that you did not see kyle i didn't see triangle of sadness all right it was it was outside i, I missed the theatrical window here locally so okay. well you, you don't need to see it i didn't think so <laughs> that is one that chip saw we reviewed that one already this year chip what are the two that you missed women talking mm -hmm. which was i actually looked to watch that last night and said, "Nah, I'm not going to watch it." Although it looks, it looks good. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't see everything uh, everywhere all at once. Those are the two I did not see. That's that kind of surprises me because it is that superhero without being in the MCU sort of storytelling that we have talked about a lot lately. Uh, because a lot of films fill that that superhero piece. Is that what kept you away from it? No, I, I just it just didn't come all at once okay i mean I, I had to make decisions and we still were kind of in a pandemic year mm -hmm. in the sense that it was very difficult trying to figure out when things were coming to the theater um, and that's one of the reasons we stopped announcing films because we would announce one and it would be delayed you know six months at that point Right. That is one that I saw at home. I, I bought a copy of that through the digital media and saw that one at home. So I did not make it to the movie theater for that one. But I really enjoyed that storytelling, that weird, strange world that is presented in that movie. The multiverse. Mm-hmm. Very and, similar to the Marvel stuff uh -huh. right now. This very similar because we had Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness came out at a very, very, very similar time to this movie. And mm -hmm. I actually preferred the MCU version of this because that was Sam Raimi directing. And I enjoy Sam Raimi's storytelling ability. I like Doctor Strange. I like Multiverse of Madness. I know some people didn't because they didn't like the his style to it, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, they're battling with musical notes. I was like, this is awesome. I'm a fan. 
Let's go. That was brilliant. That, because Sam Raimi has a very specific style. That was a Sam Raimi film with Marvel Disney money. This yep. Everything Everywhere All at Once had a lot of backing behind it and a lot of great storytelling. But I enjoyed Sam Raimi. It makes me smile to even think about how well that fits into my lifestyle. Chip, what is your pick? What do you think is going to be the best picture of 2023? Well, that's two different questions right there. What's my pick? And then what do I think is I going agree. to win? I agree. Two different answers here. Okay. So what I'm going to say is my picture of the year is All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, I thought that was an incredible film. No. Certainly with what's going on in, in the Ukraine right now with Russia, it's very poignant. Um, it is very much an anti-war uh, movie. It is beautifully filmed. It is scary, shell shocked. It is the best movie I've seen this year. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to go down on some of the other ones that uh, I, I would put behind it, but this is what I picked as, as movie of the year. So, which one is your pick for your favorite then, if that is not the same answer? I, I That's much more of a challenging question for me <laughs> because I, I don't know. I mean, um, when I'm reading around, it sounds like the Fablemans is picked, but I just don't see how that could be movie of the year. I don't, while enjoyable to watch, it just, I don't think that 10 years from now, it's going to have the same resonance that it has today. And um, even though I enjoy Spielberg's humor, I thought it was, had some wonderful acting in it. You know, it's just from a period that's just, from a different time. So I, I don't know. Maybe the Fablemans would win um, oh. over this. I'm going to try to capture my inner Dane on this one for half of my answer. Because my personal answer, the movie that I loved the most this year was Top Gun Maverick. And essentially, I know there were a couple instances. Avatar was another one where, like, save cinema, right? But Top Gun, what it did to kind of kickstart cinema, people going back to the movies, was really big. And I, I just love the storytelling in the film. But as Dane would say, it is ranked choice voting. And because it's ranked choice voting, it's not as simple as what was everybody's favorite, but it comes down to what was everybody's second favorite and third favorite. And if it's a film that is consistently going to get into people's top three, that is likely who's going to end up winning Best Picture with a, 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 a field of 10. And Dane would also be here to tell you, it's it's hard for a film to win Best Picture if it doesn't have any acting nominees and The Fablemans doesn't, right? Well, I guess it does have one as Michelle Williams, but that's it. Versus Banshees, what, almost every category they have an acting yeah, nominee. Good point. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Lots of acting nominees in there too. So everything I've read and seen is that it looks like everything everywhere all at once has a good chance, but the ranked choice voting might be what gives it problems because it's very polarizing. People either love it or they're like, I really don't like this multiverse story that's kind of chaotic and all over the place. So if in a traditional year, I think everything all everywhere all at once would win, especially coming off the heels of Parasite and some of these other films that have really like taken Hollywood by storm that are a little bit different and there's a DEI element to that, too, that I think Hollywood wants to embrace because they've been criticized over the years. But as I look at this list, Fablemans has a chance. Banshees, Steve, I know you're not a huge Banshees person, but 
Banshees, I think, is pretty beloved by most Oscar voters. So I think that's got a very good chance, especially with all the acting nominees. And Tar is the other one that I think has a really good chance as well. People love Tar, love Kate Blanchett. So I can't sit here and tell you there's a favorite at this moment in time. But if I had to pick like a top three, it would probably be Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Banshees, and Tar would be the three. I would guess is one of those is going to win. Before we ask Steve what he would choose, let's go to this um, Top Gun Maverick real quick. Because when I went to see the film, I did not see it opening weekend. I think I saw it maybe a month after it was in the theater. And I saw it on a a weekend night. I'm, I'm sorry, day. And the theater was packed. Mm-hmm. And the difference was the demographics to see this film was very old. Mm-hmm. Much, much older than my 29 years of age. And um, <laughs> I I joked about it because I think every phone went off in that theater because the demographic <laughs> that saw it doesn't think about turning off their phone. And then the other part was reading stuff off the screen to you know, the people around them so we all could know what's going on. <laughs> that was kind of a throwback of a film. And it had everything that a person who was revisiting the theater would want. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, Tom Cruise thanked everybody for showing up. Thank you so much for coming back to the theater. We did real effects. And then uh, to watch a film that really was uh, a throwback to a different era. There's certainly a lot of nostalgia in this list. The Fablemans is obviously a throwback to a different era, going to the heart of those baby boomers, telling the story of Steven Spielberg and his life. And then we've got Elvis. We've got an Elvis movie this year. There is definitely a lot of pandering to that age group still. And how did Tom Hanks not get you know, nominated for Best Actor for Colonel Parker? Uh, I, I really think that he was miscast for that. I <laughs> really think that there should have been somebody else available other than Tom Hanks for that role. He's white. He's white. <laughs> now, and don't sleep on women talking on this one because mm-hmm. a lot of people, I saw women talking right at like the first night of Sundance. We couldn't, we couldn't get a ticket to one of the first movies. So we were like, well, how do we spend our time? We noticed women talking was showing at a local theater. So we went and saw women talking and it's great, great script. Uh, it's not like super appealing to the, I think the average moviegoer, but for cinephile types and folks, I've seen a lot of lists where they're like women talking's in their top three. And a lot of those folks are Oscars voters. So I wouldn't be shocked if women talking made a run. I don't think it's going to win, but I think we can all agree Triangle Sadness is not going to win and Elvis isn't going to win and Avatar The Way of Water isn't going to win. So I can definitely get behind that statement. There's discrimination against blue cat people. (laughs) And I'd love to all quiet on the Western Front too, Chip. It's one of my top 10 favorite movies of the year. I think it was extremely well done, but I don't think it's going to win. I think it's going to win. We'll talk about Best International Film. I think it's nominated for Best Picture. It's going to win that category. So that one's pretty obvious, but... 
I agree with that completely. I think the the easy bet for me is the Fablemans. I think that Hollywood loves a Hollywood movie about Hollywood. And I think that we've seen that over and over and over again. Everyone loves Steven Spielberg. Are, are there any people that see Steven Spielberg's name on a movie and go, ugh, Steven Spielberg, isn't he done already? I, I think that there's something special, mm-hmm. that spark of storytelling that Steven Spielberg brings to a film that this movie is that moment of filmmaking it's about wouldn't be shocked wouldn't be shocked I, I, yeah that, that last scene where um he goes and sees john ford and then he's you know john ford kicks him out of his office and um they show spielberg walking down the sets and uh he kind of bounces the um the camera because you know john ford's like yeah don't do that that wink was just so joyful. And I mean, there's, there's no doubt that Spielberg is a great storyteller, loves to tell a story and that joy comes across in his filmmaking. Um, But it, it certainly is. There's, there's something that's from a different era from that too. I'm using that twice in here. Mm -hmm. It just is a throwback of, um, of, of way films were made at one time. And I, I stand corrected. Judd Hirsch also got nominated for his role in this. So they have two acting nominees. So this very well could be very much in play. I love the fact that Judd Hirsch is nominated for an Oscar. I, it just makes me smile. I, I love his work. I have admired his ability to be such an interesting character actor over the years from Taxi all the way up till this movie. He, he's always, he always lights up the screen. He's, you know, the, the ironic when he plays a taxi driver and you go, ah, Judd Hirsch is driving a taxi. I get it. That's funny. I can't help, and it's probably he probably doesn't want me to remember him for the, these films. But I, whenever I see Judd Hirsch, I cannot think of Independence Day. Mm-hmm. That's just what it's what immediately comes. You'd to all mind. be dead if it wasn't for my David. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't mentioned Best Whale. I mean, will that be Brendan Fraser, or will it be one of the Avatar guys? <laughs> I think Brendan Fraser is going to win Best Whale. I feel pretty good about that. Let's get to best actor, actor in a leading role. Chip, do you think that Brendan Fraser has this tied up as an actor? Uh, I I like I, I like the way mm-hmm. I liked it as a one room play. I thought Brendan Fraser uh, did a good job with the material, and um, anyway, I I picked him to be our winner. I'd rather be watching the Mummy. <laughs> Austin Butler, Austin Butler won the uh, he won the BAFTA most recently. So you just know, you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen there. I can't see giving the award to Austin Butler for Elvis, uh, despite the fact that he did a great job playing Elvis. I don't want him to win. It, I don't well, want these biopics to. Uh-huh. I don't want them to hijack all of these categories just because, because they know what Elvis was. So you have something to compare to. That's the same reason Rami Malek won for Bohemian Rhapsody and, and still grinds my gears. And if, if he won, what do you say? Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Austin Butler also won the gold globe. Mm-hmm. So like this is, but again, I think they're, I hope Brendan, cause I think it's going to be such a cool redemption story to see uh, Brendan Fraser win for the whale, considering everything that happened to him because of the golden globes and accusing somebody of sexually assaulting him and everything that happened having him he he was such a fan favorite with all of his movies in the 90s and 2000s like everybody loved brendan fraser for encino man 
for the mummy for George know, like, of the Jungle. George of the Jungle, right? Oh man, I you know how many times I've replayed that scene in Encino Man when he's wheezing the juice with Polly Shore. <laughs> Unbelievable amounts of times. I love Brendan Fraser. He's a joyful, you know, fun all-American guy, is mm-hmm. what he what he kind of played. Mm-hmm. Yep. Colin Farrell did a fantastic job acting in the Banshees of Inisherin, but I don't like that movie, and I I don't think that it deserves an award. Even though Colin Farrell did a great job just with that face, like that shocked "What is happening in my life right now?" face. That's the face that I was making watching this movie. Steve, that's a top three movie for me for the year. We're gonna have well, you and I are not on the same page on this one. Fickin', we're not on the fucking same page. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, well, Steve's going to have best mystery science theater three thousand movie. There you go. And later on, it's been the... a good year for mystery science theater three thousand for sure. I, and I don't think Paul. Not enough people have seen After Sun and Bill. I mean, Bill Nye is obviously a legend. People mm-hmm. love him, but again, I don't think that's a movie enough people have seen. So it really comes down to Frazier and Butler on this one. I hope Frazier wins, but I would not be shocked if Butler won. Mm-hmm. How about actor in a supporting role? We've got Brendan Gleeson from Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway. You'll have to tell me all about that one. Judd Hirsch, we've already talked about from The Fablemans. Barry Cogan from The Banshees of Inisherin. And Ki Hui Kwan in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. That is my pick for Best Supporting Actor, by the way. I haven't seen Causeway, so I can't tell you anything about that. Okay. <laughs> I got nothing for you there. But I so here's here's how I view this. Barry and Brennan would split the Banshees vote mm-hmm. on this because they're Barry's phenomenal in this film. If I had to pick one of the two that I prefer, Barry is he's so subtle in that role um, and it's phenomenal. Judd Hirsch is great, but he's only really in like five minutes of the movie. It's very, very brief. He's not in much of it. He is probably going to win based on precursors. And again, another redemption story, along with Brendan Fraser right of they did movies together in the 90s and he essentially was just behind the camera for a long time and this was his return and he's phenomenal i don't know if he is the best supporting actor but i think he's gonna win i think the the switch of character in everything everywhere all at once where he was just this simple quiet guy and then suddenly he wasn't i think that that is the best acting i've seen this year Mm. I'm going with with Barry Coogan. I like Barry. That's that would be my favorite of the five, but I don't think he's going to win. I think he will win. It'll be perfectly acceptable. I I think he's great. I think that uh, there's time for love, Doctor Jones. (laughs) Barry has a long career ahead of him. I think he'll be fine if he loses. So. We come up to actress in a leading role. Uh, Chip, you've seen a lot of these films. What is your pick for best actress? I've got Kate Blanchett at Tar, and I think that she played this uh, this director conductor who tried to control everything, um, and then just watched it come up, just kind of fall apart. In fact, she had this beautiful scene where she kind of rails against uh, current culture, and it is um, uh, it is very poignant. It's very interesting the take of it of course it was recorded it was turned against her and she became this evil person because of it because being in control of everything obviously um 
has its downfall and it has its dark side too. Mm-hmm. And I just think that she, this was a very good movie, probably my second favorite film of the year. And um, I think she would be the actress to carry that. I would be shocked if she lost. Michelle Williams in The Fablemans is the one that might come through because people love Michelle Williams and she's very good in that film. I wouldn't be shocked if she won, but, and Michelle Yeoh though. Michelle Yeoh has won a bunch of precursors in here. So I think it's really Kate and Michelle are the two that are battling for this, but Kate Blanchett's one of the best actors on the planet. Mm -hmm. So people just default to her and she's phenomenal. Anna DeArmas is great in Blonde, but Blonde is a movie that everybody hated. So that ain't going to happen. And Andrew Riseborough had that, really fascinating rise to being nominated very grassroots by her fellow actors. And I say grassroots because somebody paid for it, but uh, still happening. And that's just a weird story in itself. So when I wrote my quick review of the Fablemans, I did think that Michelle Williams would win best, best actress of the year, but just reviewing this, I just had to pick something. Steve, do you have any, uh, any, words of wisdom on this my my only thought is kate blanchett is quite possibly the best actress on this list i think that she has the acting chops of the people on this list i have not seen this particular film but as a as a force of nature kate blanchett is the one i think michelle yo has done such great work but she plays such a similar character to her original breakout role in crouching tiger hidden dragon and i think we just see so similar uh work here in everything everywhere all at once that i i wouldn't say that that is my favorite acting role from her Going on to actress in a supporting role, we've got Angela Bassett for an MCU film, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chu in The Whale, Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue in Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think it's a two it's a two horse race between Angela Bassett and Jamie Lee Curtis at this point, based on the precursors. I would, if I had to choose between those two, I would pick Angela Bassett because I think she's fire mm-hmm. in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. But who the best actress, best supporting actress is in here? It's I think it's either Hong Chao or Carrie Condon. But I love that Jamie Lee Curtis is getting love and attention. She should have won an Oscar for many of the roles in her past. I don't know. I don't believe this is the role that she should win her Oscar for, but I get it might be a legacy thing ultimately because yeah. she's again a legend. But uh, Condon and Chow are phenomenal in their roles, and Bassett has just kind of captured everybody since the first time people saw that trailer. Uh, the only reason I don't think Stephanie, I think she's the farthest from in contention for this this award. I think it's shocking that this is her first nomination for an Academy Award. Jamie Lee Curtis has been a force in film Mm -hmm. for 30 years and for this to be her first oscar nomination i think it's quite possible that she gets this award not for this film but for her body of work Mm -hmm. yep what do you think chip i have hung chow um i liked her this this one room play um and i think that that she played this um this nurse friend character that you know just continues to i i just i thought it was i thought it was a good place chip this her. wasn't even her best supporting actress role of the year have you seen the menu uh, i have 
I, I love yeah. her in the menu, man. She's so good. When they're like, what are these? And she's like, they are tortillas. <laughs> well, I know that, but what? Tortillas with all of your company's financials from the last five years to show that you're a big, big old piece of crap. <laughs> so good, man. She's great in that film. I, I liked her there, too. I do agree that, that that was a great role for Hung Chow. Mm-hmm. Animated feature films. Uh, we've got Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio, which is not the Pinocchio that most people saw. This is the other Pinocchio. Marcel, the shell with shoes on, which has gotten a lot of hype. Puss in Boots, mm-hmm. The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. What is your pick on this one, Kyle? I've seen three of the five. And so I the sea I really like the Sea Beast. I thought Turning Red was really good. And I've obviously seen Pinocchio. I had a chance to see Marcel Lachelle at the Indie Film Fest last year, but I couldn't make it opening night because we showed it there. And I've heard really good things about Puss in Boots. It has incredibly high ratings. So it's a really strong year for animated feature films. With that said, there's zero chance anything but Pinocchio and Guillermo del Toro will win. So this is the least exciting category of of the year that and international feature film i think are pretty much locks i have have you seen any of these i have seen turning red i did not like it i thought that the metaphor was really muddled by uh politically correct talk about maturing and teenage years and those awkward awkward years as i am a middle school teacher i see those awkward awkward years in my students and and I get it. I get the metaphor, but the metaphor really broke down by the end of that movie. So I didn't enjoy that. I think mm. Guillermo del Toro deserves another Oscar for his work. What do you think, Chip? I had thought that I had not seen any of these, but I did see Turning Red, interestingly enough. And I really, um, I'm sorry I missed Pinocchio because I do think that uh, del Toro has a chance of winning. But you know, you're talking to a guy that hasn't seen any of these films except for turning red. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really surprised about that. But I think a lot of it has to do with how movies were released sort of at the beginning of the year versus we've got a little better schedule and traditional releases going on right now. Even though it's, we're still having, a, a you know, before the pandemic, you'd have a weekly series of, of movies that are coming out and they planned them out. Since the pandemic, you know, it's like uh, Avatar comes out, but, you know, you got two or three weeks in between before they're really releasing anything to compete with it. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's how I am kind of miss some of these. Of the three I've seen, the one that I remember the most of that I like probably the most is Sea Beast, which is weird. But that's just me. Okay. Moving on to cinematography, we've seen some beautiful cinematography this year. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Bardo, The False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. Chip, what is your pick for cinematography this year? Well, I would love to say that it was Elvis, because um, first of all, it's not that it's the happiest of films, but you know, you're dealing with this person's life. But I can't help but think it's All Quiet on the Western Front, because the amount of incredible cinematography that had to be put together to make those war scenes. What, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just breathtaking. Yeah. It won at the Baptist most recently as well. So I think it's probably going to be what win this category. 
I think Elvis is just a Baz Luhrmann film. I think Baz Luhrmann makes films in this shape. This is the shape of a Baz Luhrmann film. Here is a Baz Luhrmann film. This one has Elvis in it. It's got <laughs> sparkles. Lots of rhinestones. And, and that's and that's not cinematography. That That is costuming. Can we get to costuming? Is, is that your pick for costume design, Chip? It is. <laughs> if there's one Elvis. Elvis, there's two Elvis. Uh, yeah. Yes, this is. Um, I would pick Elvis. You haven't seen Babylon yet, though. Babylon's costumes is on. They are on point, my friend, because it's it's like another ode to Hollywood film, but like on steroids comparatively to uh, to the Fablemans with a lot of its references. Well, then I've been corrected because, as Steve says, Hollywood loves a Hollywood film. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they love Elvis too, so would not be shocked if. Based on that, either I, I, I haven't seen Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, so I got nothing on that one. I think that the costuming for the Elvis movie comes from history. Elvis was a costume and a man, and I think that that is what you're seeing in costume design. There, I have not seen Babylon. I probably will never see Babylon. I don't like the message of Babylon, and I don't enjoy that. That is probably true. Well, in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, that's Ruth. Um, she won. She won an Oscar a few years ago for her costume work. So as long as she's involved too, I mean, Black Panther's costume work is pretty spot on in that pick. She won it for the first Black Panther film. So would not be shocked if they went back to the well on that one either. We go down to best director for the night. What is your pick on this list, Kyle? Not Triangle of Sadness. Why that made it into the top five ruined me. I haven't seen it, but everything I've read. Why would you do it? Um. I mean, I think the quant- the Daniels are probably going to win this for everything, everywhere, all at once, just because of like that screenplay is chaos. It's just the multiverse, like it's it's way more like the multiverse concept in that. While the Marvel films do the the multiverse, the way they do it in this film is it's a lot to balance. That's a that's a heavy script, heavy screenplay to have to put on screen. Um, but to Chip's point here, I think they'll probably give it to Spielberg for the Fablemans because he's telling his own story of his own life and it's Spielberg. But I could see any of those other four winning this and being deserving. Chip, is that your... That, that's exactly what I ended up doing. I was going to Fablemans. It's, um, I hate to say the word simpler story, but it's much more straight ahead with some, um, you know, a kind of a uh, truest type of story and i think that it would resonate with probably a lot of voters uh i i'm guessing on that but i could see any of the other ones um yeah having a play too Mm -hmm. depending upon if if a lot of people were very very thoughtful the banshees um could win everything everywhere all at once based on your our conversation here certainly seems like it's deserving but I, I think it ultimately comes down to uh, Steven Spielberg and the, the the group of people voting on this are going to resonate with that better. Yeah. And, and Spielberg won the Globe, uh, but uh, Edward Berger, for All Quiet on the Western Front, won the BAFTA. Hmm. So he wasn't even nominated. I absolutely agree. Hollywood loves a Hollywood movie about Hollywood and everyone loves Steven Spielberg. So I think The Fablemans is your best director about a director. <laughs> 
<laughs> movie. I, I think everything everywhere all at once has such chaos that he's put together in such a beautiful package. It is not confusing. It is not unusual in this such an unusual screenplay. I think that the Daniels did a great job directing that film. We're getting ready to come up to a, a, a bunch of categories where I just, I don't have, it's kind of a, a black spot for me because I just don't have a lot of information for him. Which is why we have Documentary Kyle here. Documentary <laughs> feature Thank film. You. That's what I live my life on, yeah. <laughs> tell us all about these documentaries, Kyle. I would love to tell you that there was a any sense of who was going to win Documentary Feature Film, but there really isn't. It's, it's a weird year. Normally, there would be more consensus, but this one is wide open. Based on so I've seen three of the five of these ones. I haven't seen Housemate of Splinters or All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. I saw All the Breathes at Sundance two years ago. I almost fell asleep during it, so that would not be my pick. <laughs> I don't understand the love and adoration for that one. It's about birds in India. Mm-hmm. Cool, uh, great. I from everything I've read and seen, I think it's going to come down to Fire of Love and Navalny. Navalny is about the gentleman who was poisoned in Russia. Right, and his story, and it's available on HBO Max. Very good, highly recommend. And Fire of Love is just a beautiful footage film about a couple who investigated volcanoes together, and it's a a gorgeous, gorgeous film. So, my guess it's going to be one of those two, but don't put any money down on that. One of the other two might come out of nowhere. No big front runner this year, as in previous years, huh? No, this one's kind of wide open. Interesting. It's anybody's game. How about in documentary short film? Have you seen these? Did, did you go and, and investigate all the short films this year, Kyle? I got nothing on the shorts this year, really? unfortunately. Because that used yep. to be a thing that you did all the time. You went and found all of those shorts and, and had a little film festival of your own. Yeah, the uh, the art theater here in Indianapolis usually shows like the shorts in blocks. So they'll do the documentary shorts and the narrative shorts. But I didn't get a chance to watch them this year. All right. Film editing is our next category. The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Where is your pick for film editing, Kyle? That's a strong, that's just a really strong cat. Elvis is definitely going to compete because of that That Baz Luhrmann editing style is 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 got its own, it's just its own unique style. Everything all, everywhere all at once, though. I mean, you just talked about it, Steve this might win editing top gun maverick though sleeper here uh with a lot, the editing with all the practical effects with all the jets like that uh, was pretty impressive too so those are the three i think probably have the biggest chance i don't tar and banshees vanisher and i don't think are, have better elements than their editing in my mind i was thinking the word editing while i was watching everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. the ability for an editor to tell a story in the midst of chaos and for us to be able to follow that story i think that this is a great example of film editing i agree and based on your conversations that one would be probably what i would pick but I do think that Top Gun Maverick, um, because of just practical effects, how they put it together, and such traditional storytelling, uh, and how it resonated, it just seems like it would have something there, too. I loved Elvis uh, as far as the, the style of it. So, But anyway, everything, every everywhere, all at once seems like it's chaos that somehow they were able to thread through a story and the viewer was able to follow. 
we get to international feature film, and I think we can pretty much give this one automatically to All Quiet on the Western Front, based on just you two guys telling us about the beauty of this anti-war story. I think that this is a, a, a definite uh, put your money on on that square. It's, I think it's the Stone Cold Lock of the Oscars. I did want to say that the Alamo Draft House is showing EO. And I almost went to see Emo because I was like, oh, it's a story about a donkey. Yeah, and, and it's Polish. <laughs> it is. It is. This is true. So anyway, it was right there, but I chose something else. Okay. Makeup and hairstyling. Uh, we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. What is your pick, Kyle? I don't know if I have. I wish Dane was here. Dana, Dana I feel like would have a better... I got nothing. I don't know. I have no zero idea. I've done zero prep for this <laughs> this category. I don't know. Chip, what is your pick? I, I picked All Quiet on the Western Front because based on how muddy and dirty and, I mean, they have to create this sort of shell-shocked, I've got uh, dirt in my eyes. I've, I mean, there was a lot of work that was done to make that believable. And I just picked it. But you could pick any of the other ones, too. I mean, my goodness. Black Panther uh, it, could get it. Easy. Mm-hmm. I think the whale, we've certainly heard a lot about the prosthetics that Brendan Fraser was enduring mm-hmm. to make that character as believable as possible. Uh, I think that Elvis, the style, the hairstyle and makeup is certainly a big part of the Elvis story, but maybe not of the film. So I think that one is an interesting question. We get to music. What 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 do you know about music in this year? Oh, Kyle's making a smiley face. What what do you know, Kyle? Oh, I love this category. So I love Carter Burwell. Carter Burwell's done some phenomenal work. John Williams, obviously a legend. But if Justin Hurwitz doesn't win for Babylon for this, this is one of my favorite things to come out of it. I know people. Hurwitz is the same one. He did La La Land. He did. He's done. He does all of uh, Damon Chazelle's films. Uh, Voodoo Mama, the original song from Babylon's soundtrack is incredible. I would be this would be the category if if it didn't win, I would take it personally hmm. offensive. And I would remind people for years of how much of a snub this was just like uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood or the um, Mr. Rogers documentary didn't even get nominated for an Oscar years ago. I will ne- I will never forgive the Academy for that. This is one of those I will never forget the Academy if they, if Babylon doesn't win. Chip, do you have an opinion? What is interesting to me is that Thomas Newman, who did the soundtrack for A Man Called Otto, I really enjoyed the music in that. It wasn't even nominated. Hmm. It came really late in the cycle. Like, really, really late in the cycle. Okay. So and it's I, a remake of a, of a, I think, Swedish film. Mm-hmm. Sure, it was. But it just seemed like the music was distinctive. I really don't have any strong feelings on any of these. I would just throw John Williams out there. You haven't seen Babylon yet. You haven't seen it. And when you listen to Voodoo Mom in that first segment, you're like, okay, I get it. I understand now. I understand now. I'll just, just give it a default. Yeah, my default is certainly John Williams. My default music score creator of my life is John Williams. And the fact that this is Steven Spielberg and John Williams working together, that's a absolute perfect match for me. 
Now, the original score that won at the BAFTAs was All Quiet on the Western Front. So, was it? We'll, Interesting. We'll see. We'll see what happens. How about original song? Is there anything special in the original song category this year, Kyle? I think everybody wants Natu Natu from RRR to win. It's so much. Have you guys seen RRR Triple R? No, Kyle. Oh, my God. Guys, it's on Netflix. It's a Bollywood film. It is three hours of just high energy, everything you would ever want in a Bollywood film in one place. Like this, this was what people consider a, a best picture snub because people absolutely love this film. And it's a great in-person experience if you get the chance, but they're going to perform that live. And I think people who haven't seen it like yourselves are going to fall in love with it. And it could be a really interesting, you're going to have your interest peak to watch the movie. It probably won't win, but I I'm really excited for people to hear it and for it to be recognized. This could be my new workout right there. I'll just dance along with the uh, mm-hmm. with Triple R. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't have any like hard opinions on the other four. This is, I mean, I'm I'm of the sort like a couple of years ago. I'm still mad that Husevic from Eurovision, the movie Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams didn't win Oscar. So <laughs> such a it, the only movie, the only song that had a place in the movie and not in the end credits, it actually played a role in the crescendo of the story didn't win the other four were literally end credit songs i totally get that but that movie was not a good movie but that song is incredible i got you i I got you production design we have such great production design this year all quiet on the western front avatar the way of water babylon elvis and the fablemans every single one of these is a story of production design what do you think is the is the winner here chip i said elvis but based on our conversation, it sounds like Babylon's going to win. Or All Quiet on the Western Front. Hmm. Okay. Anytime you put together an elaborate war movie like that, and, and as immersive as Chip talked about, especially with trenches, is just super impressive. We move on to sound. Uh, another category that has been a, a big conversation this year. All Quiet on the Western Front is nominated, along with Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick. Chip, what is your pick on sound? No, I picked All Quiet on the Western Front, but just going through this and kind of my preparation, I wouldn't be surprised if Top Gun Maverick doesn't win. Yeah, Sam. I think they're both really good, both strong. That would be my guess if I were to guess, because I have not seen any of these films except for Elvis. Obviously, Elvis and sound go together, but not in the same way as as cinematic sound. I would say Top yeah. Gun Maverick would probably be my guess on that one. If it's going to win any category, sound is probably going to be the one they give it to just with what they're able to do. Then we get to visual effects, another category that we've talked about all year long. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick, all nominated for visual effects. Kyle, what's your pick? Is there any scenario where Avatar, Way of Water doesn't win this, considering how long it took and how beautiful these Keith James Cameron films are? That is that movie, isn't it? It is a visual feast. No storytelling, very little characterization. Just look at these pretty pictures, everyone. <laughs> There's some character in there, but I get your point. I understand. What do you think? This is Avatar, the, the wildest movie. I've seen two of them. I'm, I kind of know the stories. They weren't difficult stories to follow. They were fine, enjoyable. They were beautiful. Visually, it was absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've seen Fern Gully. You know the story. You're there. You're halfway there. Fern Gully <laughs> 2, The Way of Water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's Avatar's award to lose there. 
How about writing in adapted screenplay? We've got All Quiet on the Western Front, The Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. Chip, what's your pick on this one? All Quiet on the Western Front. Hmm, seems like across the board, Chip really enjoyed that movie. <laughs> Kyle, this is, a tough, this is a tough category, man. This is, this is challenging. Adapted screenplay. I, women talking again. People, the cinephiles love women talking, so I think that has an opportunity. I love that we've got a Knives Out appearance. Mm -hmm. You know, popped in. People love Ryan Johnson, so I, I don't think it'll win, but I get it. I agree with you. I love Ryan Johnson. I am loving Poker Face on Peacock. Ryan Johnson making that Columbo for the 21st century is absolutely brilliant knives out was a, such a fun mystery glass onion was such a great follow-up i think there's some great dialogue there but i agree with you women talking seems to be the dialogue driven film on this list mm -hmm. yep how about original screenplay we've got the banshees of inishirin everything everywhere all at once the fableman's tar and the triangle of sadness kyle what's your pick Everything, everywhere, all at once. I, I don't see a reason why it wouldn't win. It's pretty creative as a yeah. screenplay. And From a creative screenplay standpoint, original, right? Extremely original, creative. I that's I think that's a head, head and shoulders winner here. Even though there was a Marvel film of a very similar story at the same time, huh? Nope. Doesn't matter. <laughs> what do you think, Chip? I picked Tar, but I could totally be wrong. Okay. I, I could be wrong, too. I am most likely wrong. 85% of the time I'm wrong. So who knows? I think maybe Banshees comes out and wins this because it's so beloved by a lot of folks. You just never know. And it's certainly original. It is certainly outside of the norm of storytelling. And the story exists in that for us to ponder. So there's some great screenplay work being done in the Banshee. Okay. And it won, the, it won the BAFTA for original screenplay. So you just you just don't know I agree That's and it won it won the golden it won the golden globe too so I'd, I'd say at this point it's the favorite of this category right so we've got a host this year jimmy kimmel of abc uh and the man show is the host of of the oscars this year what, how, what's your feeling about jimmy kimmel kyle i like it i think jimmy's good jimmy jimmy doesn't bring like the the chaos of a Ricky Gervais or something like that. You know, he's going to, I'm sure he'll say a few things that people are going to capture on Twitter and say that was awful, but that's comes with the territory. I'm glad. I'm just glad they have a host again. That's all. I'm just glad they're doing the host thing and not scared away from doing it. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel is a person that's very likable. He's very safe. Um, he certainly could be a person who's not going to cause a lot of controversy. I, I don't anticipate any, thing happening at this event that's not very much um something the way that the network wants this to appear i think mm -hmm. that jimmy kimmel is that shill for the network in that way he is not going to bring any kind of controversy he's safe but i, I want to make sure it, he's a good choice mm -hmm. being that he's likable mm -hmm. this is a good pick any Oscar snubs that we want to talk about, Kyle, this year? Anything that surprises you in this list? Yeah, there's the surprises of the heart and surprises of practicality, right? Like of what, what should have been nominated versus what did I want to be nominated? I love the Northmen. 
I think it was really early on in the, uh, the process. It got me to be interested in a Shakespearean story, which is hard for me to get super interested in. Wow, but I, I love, forgot that. Yeah. I love Robert Eggers. I love the work he does. And that movie, I was locked in from start to finish. So I'm not shocked that it got snubbed. But um, I would have liked to see Triple R be nominated for Best Picture. I think that would have been really fun. I think it would have been a, a nice touch for things. Otherwise, for the most part, the 10 other than triangle sadness i think the rest of them are all pretty good after people kept talking about after sun might sneak in but at the very least it, paul mescal got his his nomination and then the big like foreign film that didn't get nominated this year was decision to leave it's a south korean film that's gotten a lot of love in some of the other awards bodies but the oscars didn't recognize it there and it didn't even make it into the best international film area so those are probably the big ones i also love the unbearable weight of massive talent with Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. It's one of my like personal favorite movies of the year. I understand why it didn't get nominated for Oscars, but I I loved that. I could rewatch that movie over and over again. I think it's phenomenal. There's fun movies and there's Oscar movies. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, sometimes those do not mesh. So my question is, is how does William Dafoe get left out of best crazy man? There's so many. There's so many to choose from. Every, every like year, this. he just should be nominated by whatever he's playing that year because he's playing the best of them. <laughs> We're once again snubbed with a without a best like horror category because horror essentially just gets completely snubbed out of the Oscars for the most part. So it'd be nice for them to do something horror specific to be more inclusive. Do you have um, a horror pick for 2022? Is oh man, there's. 2022 was great for horror films. Pearl was phenomenal. I really like Prey, the the the, um, the Predator remake that was on Hulu. Um, I love the Scream, the newest Scream. I just love how meta that whole um, system got. Speak No Evil was really good. Uh, Fresh with um, Sebastian Stan was excellent. Saw that at Sundance. It was a phenomenal year for horror, but again... Because of the Oscars, they don't like horror, so it doesn't get no features there, unfortunately. All right. That wraps up another year of Oscar talk from two people that watch movies and me. (laughs) So, Kyle, where can our listeners find more about your writing and and what you're doing in podcasting? Yeah, just follow us over on the uh, the Twitter and Instagram, Munson's at Movies. We, uh, we're doing all sorts of stuff over there, Munson's at the Movies. We just recorded our Michael Caine episode, and that will release soon. So if you like Michael Caine and want to come hear about everything from 1946 to modern day, because the dude's been acting for like eight decades, come come check it out. Otherwise, find me on Twitter. It's usually where I post my stuff. I should probably get a letterbox one day, but that's just another thing, and I don't want to do that in IMDb I'm connected to. And don't forget, Dane Michael says, E-A-A-O. Everything Everywhere All at Once is a stone cold lock for Best Picture. So we couldn't record without putting that on the record. So my big question, when you're watching all these Michael Caine movies, is it true that Dick Van Dyke helped him work on his accent? Uh, A little bit from my understanding. He does. There's not many films where he's not doing the Cockney accident or accent, but he he's the what's most remarkable about him is his accent stands out like a sore thumb in almost every picture he's ever been in, but he still had a career eight decades long. That's pretty impressive in itself. It's such a unique, just have such a unique accent and not have it hold you back from getting leading man roles and other all American films, whatever it happens to be. He was never Bert in Mary Poppins. 
but at the same time, he's his highs are high and his lows are low. So if you look at his his snapshot on Rotten Tomatoes, you'll see he's like average fan score and average critic score is actually only in the 50s because for every phenomenal picture like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, you run into like something that is absolute dog, dog water. It's terrible. So like he's in The Swarm, which I watched. If you've ever seen The Swarm about a bunch of bees that are taking over Texas. Sounds and it awesome. is laughably bad, but it's bad. You know what I mean? It's it's fun because it's terrible. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the dichotomy of Michael Caine. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it. There's plenty of things happening in the world. Let's talk about almost none of them. Friday, Chip. Friday is Mario Day. Happy Mario Day to everyone who celebrates. Holy cow. I'm looking at this going... Friday is Martin Day. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what that is. Yeah. Like all the people who are Martins, no, it's Mario Day. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is a reach right there. Happy Mario Day. M A R 1 O. Mario being celebrated from the Nintendo of America and uh, across the around the world. It's Mario Day. Uh, Nintendo is probably going to drop a new Nintendo Switch uh based on Mario on Has this Friday. been celebrated for a long time? Yes, this is the Mario holiday. Yes, that's why we have children, Steve. They can tell me things like this. I will tell my students about this. They don't know about it. <laughs> they also don't know that daylight saving time begins on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Happy time travel weekend to everyone who celebrates that. You spring forward. Remember, spring forward. That's right. We'll see if it sticks this time. The U.S. Senate passed legislation last March that would make daylight saving time permanent starting in 2023. The the House did not pass it, uh, so that officially is not going to happen this year. But maybe, maybe this is the year that we throw away this archaic system. I don't understand daylight saving time. Little, Little foggy memories right there. Yes, that that national jet lag that we apply every year, twice a year, just for fun to see what'll happen. Chris Gerbeck is hosting the Dumb Industries Oscar Watch Party live on Discord on Sunday. You can tune in to dumb-industries.com, get tickets, and watch the Oscars with all of our friends at Dumb Industries. Chris Gerbeck, Emily Martian, and Matt Reiser are going to uh, riff the Oscars this year. Live riffing, Steve. I look forward to that. I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. I think we can. We can have back our movie expert, Kyle Hickman. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us once again for our annual conversation about the Oscars. It wouldn't be a February or March without spending time with you gentlemen to talk about movies where we get everything wrong with our predictions. (laughs) That's our promise to you. And I miss you, Dane. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is TooMuchScrolling.com. Our email is TooMuchScrolling at gmail.com. We're still on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Oscar Goldstein. (laughs) We'll see you in the future. (laughs) 